Hi, I'm Deepak and you're listening to The Meaning Quotient, a place where we celebrate human potential and stories of finding meaning and purpose. Today, we have with us Sean Philippe, whom I would call as JP, just to ease my pronunciation. JP is an avid motorcyclist and a brilliant photographer. a beauty capturer who loves telling stories through his photographs this is his story of owning his being misfit in a society with defined path of success and finding a new beauty through service welcome jp let me start by asking motorcycles how and when did you get into motorcycles i was i uh, when i was very young about 9 years old we were in a <clears throat> at a friend's parents friend's house in france in a farm and uh one of the older kids was giving us goes on these little mobilette like a moped little 50cc thing and i you know they they asked me afterwards do you want to have a go on your own and i said of course yes and you know when you see older people do things that you think you can do or you'd like to do you immediately say yes and then you realize that you have no idea what you're doing <sighs> um and as i sat on this thing and he said roll the throttle on your right hand and as you roll it it'll drag you forwards you know off off i went and then the more the more i held on the more i pulled on the throttle and the faster it went and it was just fun and scary at the same time and then i just realized i had to figure out how to stop um, <laughs> and that was another story but the bottom line was that it was just such a uh, such a visceral experience to be moving forwards um whether you're on a bicycle or or on a motorcycle that there, there's that thing of leaving the past behind you which i always find a sort of um you know you get on it and you're at one point in time and as you start to move forwards time travels with you so it's really um i mean i i view it more like a time machine in a strange way because it's not so much about speed it's much more about um time traveling of 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 how you're getting somewhere and sometimes you don't know where somewhere is leaving the past behind mm. and traveling with the time just like time travel traveling into time yes traveling into time yeah because you're moving forward so you're you're every second is the future right so you are constantly moving forwards oh so into in, into something that you have an idea about but you don't fully know yeah so in in such a realm of unknown and i think for a 9 year old it's quite scary it's quite um quite new it's quite different um and just being also knowing that it was so taboo it was you know your parents didn't yeah so where did you get the money to buy your first bike um, i saved up for it i washed a lot of cars i worked oh. in a lot of restaurants i i i waited on tables i worked in bars um you know i had weekend jobs evening jobs whatever i could scrape to get money Uh, I DJ'd um and anything I could have yeah. and then it wasn't just buying the bike you knew that owning a motorcycle was once you were in that boat 
um, you would have to keep spending money or somehow learning how to fix your stuff, which meant buying tools or, yeah. you know, and, and, and suddenly you, you are now in this machine. You're not just on it. You're in a machine of um, maintenance and upkeep and fuel. You need petrol. You need, a, uh, you need a helmet. You need gloves. It's winter. It's raining. You need a waterproof. You know, you constantly mm-hmm. have to figure out yeah. a new thing. So it, it was, yeah, I think it's a certain element of coming of age. You know, some part of me was always asking the question, we start with the passion and then this money thing comes up. Did you start working somewhere else and took motorcycle as a hobby, part-time hobby or you? No, it was very much a way, a way of getting around. Yeah. But it was also a freedom uh, card. And then you realize that it's a passion because that's that's the only way you really get around um and then when you buy another one and then you have two so i then i bought a slightly bigger motorcycle and i still kept the scooter one became uh, a passion hobby type thing versus the other one remained the a to b um uh workhorse if you like the sort of the, the the transport thing and so you're constantly um looking out for things and then with motorcycling once you're in it and you you realize that well there's a sport there are hobbies you can go off-road you can go on the track you can go traveling around the world you can go racing you can go drag race yeah there's so many things you can do with a motorcycle there are so many you suddenly start to meet like-minded people so around work so i decided that well okay i'm going to be a college and study and go to art college and then get get going in as a career as a photographer it was again as a photographer the only way to get around town from a to b very quickly and efficiently and then when you weren't working you were you know you would there are so many things to do in life and my life isn't just motorcycles but motorcycles is a big part of it yeah Um, so you mentioned photography photography so like that was another passion which you said which which started coming can you can you say more about that? Yeah, so I always wanted to paint um, at school, and I wasn't I wasn't very good at it. And I was surrounded by two people throughout my years in art classes who were very very advanced and very very expressive in what they could achieve. Um, you know, by the time we had we were doing this guy had worked out perspective we were still doing two-dimensional stick man uh by the time i was understanding perspective he was already understanding shadow and tone and light Mm. um and a friend of my parents introduced me to photography because it was his weekend hobby and then i used to go to the dark room in his house you know every other week or every month and process rolls of film that I'd shot in black and white and understand how that mm. works. And I was attracted partly by the process, partly by the end result. Um, and as I grew in that area of photography and it just became the thing, the end result became more important than the process. And, and then I realized that it was a real vehicle to be able to tell a story or express a thought or a, or just an observation. Hmm. Um, and so uh, I, I'd still like to have stuck with painting or committed more to developing graphic design, which was something that I was interested in. But again, because photography came with such such a natural 
um, aptitude. I enjoyed just just having a camera and constantly developing and learning how it worked, learning how to achieve things and learning how to evolve your your photography. So what was um, photography giving you? Is it like, like you said that uh, when you were in the motorcycle, it was leaving the past behind and entering into time? So the, the irony is, and, and I've had to talk about this a lot with, with um, people that I, that I work with and that I mentor, is that whilst, to take your point on motorcycling, is a time machine that allows you to move forwards, Weirdly, photography is a time machine that allows you to travel backwards. Mm. So all photographers live in the past because the moment you have recorded that photograph, the moment you press the button, that is a moment of the past frozen in time or a moment of the present now frozen into the past. So, so there's a past in photography. There's a future in motorcycle where is the present <laughs> presence right now is is this moment you know it's every next moment um good question this is a moment i need to savor mm. right now present this conversation you know you're asking something quite quite important and it's oh i got to i got to think about that yeah. you know i i got to feel it i got to stop thinking about it actually i've got to i've got to feel it mm. So JP, you worked for many years in the New York Times as photographer. Is it correct? Or yeah, I did the New York Times and the Herald Tribune. I mean, they're all connected. Um, but I also did a lot of other um, um, uh, editorials in London, some in Paris, um, and then a lot of um, communication work where you tell a story through a series of images. For various companies and organizations hmm. so that, narratives yeah. narratives really you were you were having your life you're having on one hand your motorcycle and then you're having a life of a photographer in some ways this is a life where not many people got a chance to live you know you were hmm. living the passions of your life and you were working in the areas which makes you feel alive why transition from that what why there's a need for doing storytelling or anything else <clears throat> i think it's a natural progression if you are focused and aware about learning and i went through a phase where i i didn't learn much i just kept repeating if it's repetition it can be boring you have to evolve what you do I mean, you don't have to. I mean, I felt that I had to. Some people are very happy, you know, mastering their skill. And I don't know that I can ever master a skill, but I'd like to adapt it. I'd like to evolve it so that it keeps its place and keeps touching people in a certain way. You know, so a lot of people, you said that they keep on mastering their skill, what you're, what they were having. And for you, it's the evolution, you know, it's mm. like what's next what makes you connect to that evolution because this also comes with a lot of challenges i i look at it in a way that if i take on a project i really want to make sure that i'm connected to all aspects of it in the commercial world that's very hard the commercial world dictates that you do this bit 
we pay you that much and you give us images and what we want when we want it mm. and we give you money and that's the end of that conversation and that to me is changing um uh partly because i've lost interest in that but partly because i see how the world is evolving and how people are doing things differently mm. so it it's no longer of interest and so growth and development in terms of skills are skills and they will always be valuable but how we apply and what we value as an opportunity and what we choose to commit to or get involved with as work and jp so let me let me say what i see right now what we have discussed you know mm-hmm. i see a boy of 9 year old who rode the motorcycle for the first time and find out that this is a time travel machine mm-hmm. which takes him forward i see a person who discovered photography and find out this is the way to connect and store the memory of the past with that the person lives in its day to day present and as it grows the personal things start getting merged into societal things that person start getting interested more into society how people function what is there behind and i call it something like a widening circles from johanna macy's work you know your individual self has grown to more includes towards more societal self mm-hmm. around that does it ring any bell or is it just my view of looking at it yeah i think that's pretty accurate i i i don't think we could have come to that equation without having the conversation that we just had to get there so i think you kind of like um itemize key points yeah and one thing i would like to know more about also it's uh, you you discuss the type of work where you move towards a pure social aspect of the communal aspect of helping which was neither photography nor motorcycle mm. um Yes, I was invited a few years ago to um I was asked actually to do a, a photographic workshop for kids. A workshop for kids where I would show them a studio, I would show them some of my work, I would teach them a little bit about the history of photography and then I would give them a camera with a roll of film, mm. something that most of them had never seen before. Mm. And then I would take them out into the streets and say now I'm the editor, you're the photographer, mm. we're going to do uh a story. and you're going to tell me a story of your choice in 36 pictures which is all that there was on the film and the things that came back were hysterical and stunning and inspiring and just creative and they had a go and they loved it the feedback was great parents were really positive and i just got asked to do them regularly and then someone in um at risk youth and mental health asked me to come and meet somebody who was running a center and so i went to this addiction clinic and i they said oh could you do some photography therapy like you do your workshops with with um people that were in in difficulty and i said okay and we started we called it a photography workshop or they tried to call it photography therapy but that didn't mean anything there was no such thing 
And after the first two or three that I work with, I quickly realized that this isn't photography that these kids want. They just want an outlet that they can own. And so um, I realized rapidly that I had to share who I was with these with these teenagers that were in trouble um, so that I could create a trust. And from that trust, help them find a project that they could take full ownership of and, and do something that was theirs and only theirs. I was the one adult that they met that wasn't a school teacher, wasn't a therapist, wasn't a psychiatrist, and I wasn't a parent. And, and all those things to them suddenly mattered because I could show up to a session with a skateboard or with, a, with an old motorcycle and um, I wasn't the conventional person that they knew as an adult. One girl who was anorexic wanted to learn how to cook. Another, another lady wanted to go to acting college and another lady wanted to, you know, um, go to art college. But they had structures that meant that none of those things were accessible to them, either because their parents didn't want it or because they were in environments where that just wasn't possible. And I looked at, well, let's try and see how that's possible. Let's look at how we can get you there. And it, it was interesting that the trust was built when someone would support what they wanted. If you work against what they want, then you just become another one of the adults that have said no. And you mm. support the negative space that they're in and you end up supporting the harm that they do with themselves. Mm. Whereas if you, if you say, okay, do you really want to do this? Your idea, great. And we've got six weeks to, to come up with something and to make it happen. And I ended up in areas where I didn't know anything about the subject at hand that they were after. So I had to go and help them research it. I had to go and find people that I could bring in to help them create this project, whatever it was. And that was huge fulfillment in, in understanding that you could have impact you could learn something, you could help someone else learn something. You think you made on those children? Um, what is the impact I think I made? I asked a couple of kids actually in the last few years um, what, what they thought. And they all said that, well, the ones that were from one particular center said that um, it was the one session that they felt they could express themselves turned down and didn't respond to a lot of commercial projects that I could have been doing mm. um, that were far more lucrative perhaps because this was far more fulfilling. It, mm. There was a, there was a direct result that, you know, when, when a 15 year old girl woman comes to your sessions and weighs 38 kilos and is not in a good way at all, and by the end of the six weeks, the weight started to come on because I've supported her into finding uh, a place in a cookery school, which everybody else had said no to. And then mm. her weight puts on and then she decides that she wants to cook dinner parties for her parents. And then she does a project where she cooks a dinner party in another country for her friends. And then suddenly, well, you help her find a job in um, a gastro pub. And now she's working in as a sous chef in a big company. I know you said that not a, you're not a psychotherapist. You were just against what they were looking for. But what were you? I only was part of a bigger team. 
I think that the psychiatrists and the therapists had something going that meant that if they allowed me in, that's part of their success as well. And yeah. it's not all my doing. It's yeah. much more about the fact that I had to find a way to, to communicate with her and then her parents and that her parents would agree that what she wanted to do and I would support it, even if everybody else said no, might still be a good idea and worth a try. Because who, who would have trusted a photographer with a 15-year-old girl who was self-harming quite badly or a 15-year-old girl that was massively underweight, that wasn't eating that had no social life or a heroin addict that was, you know, um, c contemplating jumping in front of a train every day on the way to school. And, and, and the, well, what could, what could that photographer offer these kids that the system couldn't already cater for? And what was that? It, it's not, it's not the component of you. Was it creativity? What we, what, you know, if you look at the meta level, what was that? It was the creativity. It's about going against the system. Some people don't fit the system. Some people are misfits. Um, and, and, and maybe it takes a misfit to know a misfit. Um, I think that if you look at your point earlier of me having pursued passions, yeah, it's a, it's a huge privilege and it's a huge choice. You know, um, if I was about making more money in my life, I would have gone into banking. Mm. or other things that are much more lucrative mm. um i chose lifestyle i chose people i chose opportunities i chose things that made me feel valid valued and you know fulfilled um these kids can't possibly hope for that in the situations that they are in very often and so unless somebody from a decision-making environment or, or, a or assists a decision-making environment in vouching for them, uh, advocating for their choices or their, their, you know, opinion is a knowledge or knowledge can't always transcend into a solution. Uh, the medical systems which we are having right now, at least in the Western world, mm. it has become too much I'm looking for the right word. It, it has somehow become a consumerist system, which is being driven mm. by, by consumerist society, by capitalism and all these things. But these sparks of creativity or maybe a different word uh, around that, it's like sparks of doing something which is against the normal norm, but mm. feels right. It's somewhere people can... They're no less fucked up although more fucked up than I am. <laughs> and mm. actually, it is, is, you know, and I had to bring up that maybe the parents were the problem. Mm. And, you know, you can't say that in society, but, I, you know, people would ask me my opinion, I would share. Mm. And the interesting factor was that some parents came forward and decided to do a creative project as well. And that's when you know that maybe there's something in this. Mm. And that was, that was completely unexpected. I mean, I had a thought that maybe actually, you know, when you meet some of the kids, you think, oh, I want to meet your parents and maybe I want to suggest it to them. And some, some parents came forth and really, really came out of the shell and it really worked for both of them. Hmm. Um, and, and I think that's the, the bit that I've, that I've picked up on, that you can't, you can't predict. You know, you have to give those kids a voice. Hmm. And, and How do you see 
your own evolution going forward from here, coming from the boy who was riding that bicycle, motor, motorbike. Um, hmm. Good question. I don't know if I, maybe one of the things that I do is I don't, I don't plan ahead. Hmm. I look forward, but I don't plan ahead. And you know, as I navigate through, I think, oh, okay, he'd be cool or she'd be great. And these are all people that do different things, but that are slightly misfits in society. You know, a bit like if you're a motorcyclist, you're a misfit because you have to be a particular type of temperament to ride a motorcycle. Mm. Some people, some people think it's madness and it's dangerous, and other people think it's fine. Um, just like you know, I had for a long time as a photographer, people would say to me, "When are you going to get a proper job?" And you know. Uh, when are you going to ride a proper motorcycle or when are you going to drive a proper car or, you know, not stop living in a loft and live in a proper house. Or... What fucking rules are those? Mm. You know, who's said that's what you have to do. So looking forwards is, um, so looking forwards, I think is about a constant self improvement, mm. not because you're, you're seeking perfection, but because, you you want to make sure that you can share that with that kid at some point that and jp one thing i just want to say you use the word misfit maybe you were a misfit when you were riding that bike maybe you were a misfit when you decide to take photography as a profession maybe you're a misfit in that group of psychiatrists who were treating these people mm. but all these misfits together are creating a beautiful world Agreed. Absolutely. Yeah. That that's what I think the only the only way the only way to look at it is. You know, as long as as long as the drivers are the the people that you work with before you start focusing on commerce, which is important, but it, it has Thank you, JP, and thank you for such an inspirational talk. I learned so much about about a different part of life which I never knew and you are changing more life than you can even think of you know not only that anorexic woman not only the 15 year old people without having much I, I started it very accidentally yeah. I didn't plan any of it and I'm still learning how it works and, and not all of them have been successful but definitely we have we have you know uh, we have created something that has left people a lasting impression mm. Thank you. And that's what we want to leave, a lasting impression on the world we are living in. Thank you, Deepak. Thank you for your good work. Lydia Yuknovich, in a Misfit Manifesto, pronounced, To those who feel like they don't belong, there is a beauty in being a misfit. Even at the moment of failure, you are beautiful. You don't know yet but you have the ability to reinvent yourself endlessly. That's your beauty. It might take a misfit to see the beauty in other misfits. But are we all not misfits in this post-industrial world where loneliness, anxiety and depression are on the rise? Shall we not celebrate the beauty of our misfitness
to serve others who are struggling with it that would be the beauty of service